Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Meg Energy 2021 third quarter results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If, that, if you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by the number two. Thank you. Mr. Derek Evans, CEO, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Miranda. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us to review Meg's third quarter operating and financial results. In the room with me this morning are Eric Taze, our Chief Financial Officer, Lyle Yuzdevsky, our General Counsel and Corporate Secretary, and Darlene Gates, our Chief Operating Officer. Darlene joined Meg in September, and we're very pleased to have her on our leadership team. I'd like to remind our listeners that this call contains forward-looking information. Please refer to the advisories in our disclosure documents filed on CDAR and on our website. Keep my remarks brief today and refer listeners to yesterday's press release for more detail. Meg continues to proactively respond to the safety challenges associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. Our priority of maintaining safe and reliable operations at the Christina Lake facility remains a top priority. I want to thank our teams for their diligence and focus as we've operated throughout the pandemic. Meg had an exceptional third quarter from both a financial and operational perspective. We benefited from both the strengthening global oil market as well as the improvement in heavy oil differentials. Our teams focus on plant reliability, steam utilization, and ongoing well optimization have contributed to a strong operational uh, quarter. Third quarter financial and operating highlights and corporate developments include the appointment of Darlene Gates to Chief Operating Officer in September 2021. Darlene joined Meg from ExxonMobil and brings 26 years of domestic and international industry experience to Meg. Chitak Yi, our former COO, has transitioned to the role of Chief Technology Officer, where he'll continue in developing new technologies and practices to drive Meg's top-tier operational performance. Free cash flow of $155 million uh, for the quarter, driven by adjusted funds flow of $239 million, or $0.77 cents a share. The adjusted funds flow was impacted by a realized commodity price risk management loss of $66 million, or $0.21 cents a share in the quarter. Quarterly production volumes of 91,506 barrels per day at a steam oil ratio of 2.56. Based on this strong operational performance, we are once again revising our annual production guidance from 91 to 93,000 barrels a day to 92.5 to 93.5,000 barrels a day. Capital expenditures of $84 million were directed towards sustaining and maintenance activities, as well as incremental well capital necessary to fully utilize the Christina Lake Central Plant's oil processing capacity. 
Net operating costs of $7.17 per barrel included non-energy operating costs of $4.46 per barrel. Power revenue offset energy operating costs by 43%, resulting in a net impact of $2.71 per barrel in the quarter. Debt repayment remains a top priority, and during Q3, Meg redeemed 100 million US of Meg's 6.5% senior secured second lien notes due January 2020-25. Meg released its 2021 ESG report in August. The report focuses on priority topics and outlines the ESG activities across our business, including a formal, excuse me, including a formal emissions reduction target on net zero emissions, scope one and scope two by 2050 and a midterm target of 30% reduction in bitumen greenhouse gas emissions intensity, scope one and scope two by 2030. MEG also continued its involvement in the oil sands path to net zero alliance. Recently, the alliance provided a detailed update of its three-phase plan to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. The alliance continues to advance its foundational carbon capture and storage project, which includes a 400-kilometer pipeline uh, from Fort McMurray to Cold Lake and associated sequestration facilities in the Cold Lake area to gather CO2 from more than 20 oil sands facilities. We're pleased to have ConocoPhillips join the alliance, which now operates facilities representing approximately 95% of Canada's oil sands production. Meg realized an average AWB blend sales price of $59.15 US per barrel during the third quarter of 2021, compared to $56.41 U.S. per barrel in the second quarter. The increase in average AWB blend sales price quarter over quarter was primarily the result of the average WTI price increasing by $4.49 U.S. per barrel. Meg sold 38% of its sales volumes at the premium-priced U.S. Gulf Coast in the third quarter of 2021, compared to 45% in the second quarter as a result of higher apportionment levels on the Enbridge mainline. Meg continues to execute on its debt repayment strategy and during the quarter redeemed 100 million U.S. of the corporation's 6.5% senior secured second lien notes due in January 2025. This brings Meg's total debt repayment to 1.6 billion US since the beginning of 2018, contributing to our short-term debt repayment target of 2 billion US. All available free cash flow generated in Q3 and Q4 will continue to be directed to further debt repayment. Based on operational performance this year, Meg is upwardly revising its full year 2021 average production guidance from 91 to 93,000 barrels a day to 92.5 to 93.5,000 barrels a day. GN expenses are now targeted to be in the range of $1.65 to $1.75 per barrel, and non-energy operating costs are now expected to be in the range of $4.40 to $4.50 a barrel. Meg invested $84 million of capital in the quarter, with the majority focused on sustaining and maintenance, maintenance activities, as well as the incremental well capital to fully utilize the Christina Lakes oil processing uh, capacity of approximately 100,000 barrels a day. Corporation expects full facility utilization in the second half of 2022, post the planned turnaround in the second quarter of 2022. In the third quarter, we continue to advance our ESG activities and released our 2021 ESG report. 
This is Meg's second ESG report and demonstrates our commitment to providing our stakeholders with disclosures and meaningful updates about our ESG commitments and priority topics. The report is available online at www.megenergy.com. We continue to demonstrate our commitment to decarbonization by joining the Oil Sands Pathways to Net Zero Alliance in June 2021. This collaboration of Canada's six largest oil sands producers will work collectively with the federal and Alberta government to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions from oil sands uh, 2050. Last week, we were pleased to have ConocoPhillips Canada join the alliance in this effort. As I bring my remarks to a close, I again want to thank our team at MEG for their commitment and perseverance. I'm pleased to see increasing signs of industry recovery from COVID-19 and the challenging commodity prices of 2020. Meg's performance demonstrates our resilience, and I'm proud of our performance and remain confident in our ability to execute on our business plan and remain committed to sustainable, innovative, and responsible energy development. I look forward to releasing our 2022 capital program and operational guidance on November 29th, as well as continuing to update you on our debt repayment progress. With that, uh, we'll now open the line for questions. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin our question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by the number one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by the number two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question will come from Phil Skolnick with 8Capital. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Um, I have a couple of questions. Just first, um, because you are coming close to that total debt repayment, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on next? Is it some form of return of capital to uh, shareholders? And, you know, how are you thinking about that? Um, yeah, we are getting close to our that initial target of the U.S. $500 million debt repayment, Phil. Um, we're coming out with our capital budget November around November 29th, and we'll have more details around that. So we're still working through that, but we but expect us to talk more about that November 29th. Okay, cool. Um, and just finally, just you know, this is the third time you you've raised your 21 uh, production guidance. Um, you know, number one. What has been driving that? Has it been reservoir or a combination of that and things that you're doing as well? And does that have any downward implications to your maintenance capex? Uh, Phil, it's Derek. Um, you know, um, it, the, yes, it is the third time we've increased our guidance. Um, I'm pretty sure we're not going to increase our guidance again. 
um, you know, it's what you're seeing is sort of the cumulative efforts on, on three different fronts. One, trying to ensure that every ounce of steam that we produce is being used to uh, achieve the maximum benefit it can in terms of uh, liberating uh, oil inside of uh, the reservoir. You're also seeing um, the impact of improving our efficiency um, and uptime utilization of our facility as well as some innovative technology that we've been putting to work um, downhole, um, controlling where that steam goes to ensure that it is um, impacting the, the best parts of the reservoir to um, you know, improve production performance. Um, so uh, you know, those are the, the three big drivers on, on the performance side. As you think about um, does it change the um, uh, or bring down our sustaining capital? Um, absolutely, uh, you know it, it helps, but it's not going to um, offset the impact that we're seeing from inflation and the continued work we have to do on the uh, uh, the facility side to um, continue to move um, increased volumes. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Bill. Your next question comes from. Bill Gresh with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Yeah, hey, good morning. Um, I guess just to follow up on the first question that was asked, um, I know you'll give your capital budget later this month, but beyond the capital budget, as you think about other capital allocation options, whether it be a dividend or, or share buybacks or incremental debt pay down, just if you could walk through how you're thinking about the various priorities on, on a, maybe you know, a multi-year basis. Yeah, Phil, um, it's Eric. As, as I, as I uh, mentioned on the first question, um, just be patient. We'll talk about that at the back end of this month when we come with our capital budget. We're not prepared to speak to that um, yet. We have, we, got, uh, we have to work through a little bit more on that. Okay, okay. Um, and then on the last call, there was some discussion around uh, some inflation uh, that, that you're beginning to see, I think, uh, Derek, you might have mentioned 10% inflation, if I recall correctly. So what are your latest thoughts on the inflationary environment? Um, we're still seeing um, um, and don't believe we're in a stabilized sort of uh, position to talk to what that inflation is going to be. But obviously, um, earlier on this year, we saw big increases in the price of steel. Um, you know, iron ore prices have almost dropped in half in the in the last couple of months, so we expect that steel will not be as big a problem um, going forward as um, we'd seen. But you know, there's there's probably three big issues. Obviously, the supply chain um, issues, the um, you know the inflationary issues associated uh, with costs, and um, you know on on chemicals and on on products, but also on people and availability of people. I'd, I'd say when you multiply all of those things together, um, some of it's cost and some of it will turn into uh, incremental cost, some of it will turn into sort of a decrease in efficiency and longer timeline. So uh, it's, it's something that we've got a, a sharp eye on and we're continuing to um, try and figure out what are some of the techniques that we could use to um, make sure that uh, we mitigate those impacts. I'll give you an example. You know, this year we've been running up to three rigs at site, um, and those rigs would run for uh, a month or two months and then be shut down. Uh, next year, it's fully our intention 
to keep one rig running throughout the year. And you know, if they, um, there's cost savings associated with that. Um, you can guarantee the rig company a year's worth of work, and that should generate a better rate for you. Um, probably the biggest upside is though the crews. The crews know that they have steady um, and um, sort of a continuous paycheck, and that is a, a very big deal for um, the you know people on the oil sands uh, on the service side. So um, you know that that's a good example of not only sort of the cost impact, but uh, you know, if you can get that same crew coming back um, week after week, you're not going to have as many safety incidences and you're going to see great efficiencies. Got it. No, that's, that's very helpful. Um, my last question would just be on um, pipeline takeaway down to the Gulf Coast. Um, obviously, Line 3R started up, um, which should give you more capacity to move barrels. Um, Enbridge is also talking about potentially expanding some of those downstream pipelines. So would that you know, have any meaningful impact on, on the way you look at things or are you, uh, you know, comfortable with the commitments that you have? Uh, so we're comfortable with what we have today. We've got 100,000, as you know, going down to the Gulf Coast and we'll have another 20,000 on plan when uh, TMX comes on. So, um, you know, we view obviously the increase in egress very uh, constructively, um, but we don't have any intention of changing sort of our, our sales, sales market mix on a go-forward basis. Your next question comes from Greg Party from RBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Thanks for the rundown, guys. Um, so maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but on um, just with the turnaround second quarter next year, should we be thinking about that as, you know, a typical three-week, or will it be longer just given the tie-in that you need to go through with, with bumping capacity? Um, so, Greg, it's it's a bigger turnaround than um, not, not so much just on time. So this will probably be 28 days um, as we've currently estimated it. But it's our phase 2B, uh, which is the biggest uh, component. You know, we've got phase 1, phase 2, and phase 2B. And phase 2B is the biggest contributor of our production. So the impact is going to be uh, much larger than it would be for... Um, if we're taking down or turning around phase one or phase two. Okay. Okay. Good, good to know. And I'm sure we'll get the details with the, with the budget. Um, all right. Shifting gears, maybe Derek is, is I want to come back a little bit to pathways, but not so much the progress on that as maybe just the degree of appetite you're finding for CCS um, I'd say not just in Canada, but, but elsewhere, just given some of your recent travels. Um, the appetite for CCS is is growing um, massively. I think people are finally realizing that the single biggest lever that we have to pull um, in terms of decarbonization is carbon capture and storage. Um, you know, it, it's not a new technology. It's been one that's been around for a while. Um, and... Um, you know, it's got the the technical bugs are all worked out. the The real challenge is trying to uh, find uh, the appropriate sort of uh, economic terms um, to to get it underway. But uh, you know, people are very comfortable with 
with the technology. They see it as being sort of the, as I say, the single biggest lever that we can pull to have an impact on, on, on driving or actually decarbonizing. It's really coming down to what we call the fiscal and regulatory regimes that are going to be present for us to create the uh, conditions to um, get these, this infrastructure in the ground and up and running. Thank you. Your next Thank question you. comes from Neil Mehta from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. This is Nicolette Slusser on for Neil Mehta. Thanks for taking the question. So we would just be curious about your views on line five. We recognize this is a light oil line, but if the pipeline had lower flows, you could have barrels back into Alberta. Is this something we should be concerned about, or do you think the status quo will prevail? Thanks. Um, uh, Nicoletta, it's uh, Derek Evans. I, you know, Line 5 does not carry a huge amount of volume. I think it's about 330,000 barrels a day. It tends to be light product. Um, you know, I, I would say our view on Line 5 at the current time with Line 3 up and running, uh, the replacement, uh, you know, uh, we don't expect if Line 5 got shut down that those volumes would back into... Um, would, it would negatively impact the our ability to continue to move heavy heavy oil um, down to the U.S. Gulf Coast. Um, I guess the one thing we would point to is with Line Three now up and running, um, you know, there's actually appears to be incremental space on the light system that uh, heavies can utilize um, with uh, the way that line is now configured. So uh, you could, uh, you know, we're we're even more comfortable today that. Uh, uh, the shutdown of five line five won't uh, wouldn't negatively impact our our operate our, our um, long haul capacity. Okay, that's great. Thanks for the clarification there. Um, and then just to follow up on production here, uh, we were curious if there were any thoughts to raising production above the targeted hundred thousand barrel per day level, or if there were any optimization projects underway in addition to ramping production to that full processing capacity. Um, we have no plans to uh, to grow our production at this time beyond the 100,000 barrels a day of uh, steam day capacity. Great. Great. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, should you have a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your next question comes from Menno Holsoff from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for uh, taking my, my questions. I'll just start with one on the, the mainline uh, renegotiation. My, my understanding is that a ruling is expected, give or take, by the, by the end of this month. So could you just walk us through the, the range of outcomes? And, and more specifically, uh, what are your expectations for apportionment and your own uh, Gulf Coast access in Q4 and into uh, 2022? Yeah, Menno, I, you know, you know as much as we do about the mainline contract, and so um, I'm not sure we want to speculate on the range of outcomes at this point in time. We do expect, like you mentioned, to um, you know hear hear uh, hear outcomes on the back end of this month. So we'll wait to we'll wait to hear that. Would you be willing to take a stab at um, apportionment um, into the end of the year in 2022, or is it it's too uncertain at this time? I'm sorry, I missed that question, Mano. Yeah, into the end of the year, we, you know, look, um, it was 12% in November. You know, we think it's sub 10%, maybe even 5% in December. And then as we look into next year, 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, it's less than 20, maybe it's 10% on the main line. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what that looks like as we move through 2022. But uh, we've seen it come down quite sharply uh, over the last couple of months. Okay. That's, uh, that, that's great to hear. And then I guess my second question just relates to earlier stage pilot activity. Can you just remind us of some of the earlier stage pilots that you currently have underway and how they would tie into your uh, 2030 target of a 30% emissions intensity reduction? Sure. Um, you know, we're just, uh, uh, Menno, it's Derek. We're, we're in the process of winding down our um, EM Vapex uh, pilot. That was the um, solvent pilot that uh, we have been running, and we're just looking at uh, where the recovery factors um, are going to uh, play out in terms of resource recovery, but also in terms of solvent recovery, what are we leaving in the, the reservoir? So, um, you know, depending on how that all looks, that could be a technology that we put to work in terms of um, um, meeting our 2030 targets. We have a project called um, ERACE, um, which is a shallow um, sequestration. Uh, initiative uh, that we received some funding for on uh, from um, uh, the government of Alberta, um, and that is something that also uh, could uh, be very impactful in terms of uh, uh, finding sort of a more local area in which to um, uh, uh, decarbonize or at least uh, dispose of um, uh, CO2. Uh, uh, other projects that we have on the go um, would be uh, ones where we're looking at reducing the uh, amount of diluent that uh, we currently use. Um, so um, got a low temperature, low pressure sort of uh, upgrading technology that uh, would allow us to cut the uh, amount of diluent by almost half. So obviously um, the greenhouse gas emissions associated with uh, the diluent would be um, significantly reduced, but also there would be fairly significant cost savings um, to the corporation in terms of uh, diluent. As you know, diluent is probably our single biggest cost. Um, so um, that's uh, another initiative that uh, uh, we have on the go. Uh, one initiative that we had talked about in the past um, is the um, uh, uh, facility where we were going to inject butane to trim blend the, um, uh, the vis to the viscosity reduction to enter the uh, our long haul pipelines. That is up and running as of um, the third quarter and is will generate somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, probably a million dollars of incremental uh, cash flow on a monthly basis um, as we supplement uh, butane for um, uh, condensate. That's uh, very helpful. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from Patrick O'Rourke from ATB Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, guys, Patrick Gorga, ATV Capital Markets. Um, just curious here in terms of the Gulf Coast marketing, we've seen a little bit of a widening of the differential down on the Gulf Coast for heavies to WTI. Wondering if you can give us a bit of an outlook there. I think that, you know, the common thinking is that maybe, you know, increased natural gas prices are, are leaning on uh, heavy refinery margins and, and what you see the outlook uh, for that heading into 2022 is. Yeah, Patrick, I, I guess from our perspective, just generally, 
You know, what we see driving December, we're in, the, we're in the December sales cycle right now, and it is wider than we would have normally expected to see it, probably by you know, 2 to $3. And we think that's primarily driven by um, elevated levels of storage in Western Canada, and that was driven, uh, we, we believe, by uh, planned and unplanned outages in Pad 2 refiners. So we expect to see that inventory get drained. Um, and given the steepness of the WCS curve, we expect that to happen reasonably quickly. So we, we, we believe it's transitory. We expect to see it normalized uh, at least by the end of the year um, and get back to sort of that, that range of 5 to $6 where we think it should be trading against WTI, uh, WCS against WTI in the Gulf Coast. Okay, thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Thank you, Operator, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us for our third quarter uh, call and update. I'd remind you um, to look for our 2022 capital program and operational guidance, which uh, we plan on releasing on November 29th, um, and uh, wish you all a, a pleasant and uh, profitable day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.